This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, February 29th, 2024 edition. And yes, February 29th, that means it is Leap Day, and it happens every four years. And the reason is to calibrate the calendar to account for the 365 days and almost six hours it takes Earth to revolve around the sun. Now, Julius Caesar is long credited for, for, credited for beginning the practice of adding an extra day to the calendar year back in 45 BC. So over 2,000 years, we have been doing this. And here are some mathematical statistics, considering the reason we have a leap day is because of math. Now, as you know, leap day exists to keep months in sync with annual events, but there is only one in 1,461 chance of being born on a leap day. according to And according to history.com, there are only 5 million people in the entire world who are born on leap day. And today we're going to get a bunch more. Now, leap days are rare, and so are stock market gains actually on a leap day. That's pretty interesting. You would think that it would be a good time of year, you know, February tends to be a pretty good year, a pretty good time in the market. But over the 13 leap day trading sessions since 1950, the S&P and the Dow have edged down on average 0.1% and less than 1.1% respectively. Okay, so it's actually been typically a negative day. But today was the opposite. We had definitely a positive day in markets and it just shows you that just because in the past one thing happened doesn't mean it's going to happen all the time, especially in kind of these, that's kind of a random choice, right? It's just only 13 sessions. It shows you that statistics, they have to have a certain number of outcomes to really make it statistically significant. 13 days are just not enough. Okay, so I think that's the lesson here is that Yes, historically, leap days have been bad in a minor way. But it's not really telling about what the next leap day will hold because those 13 days are not statistically significant. So when you're looking at data, make sure you understand how big that data set is. Is it small or is it large? And is that really a useful data set? Because a lot of data out there can be certainly misleading. Now, on today's show, we are here to do the opposite. We are here to lead you on your path to successful investing, to financial freedom. And of course, we do that by answering your finance and investment questions, giving you relevant data and topics to discuss as we go through each and every week and weekday with you. It's an endeavor that will never end, just like Leap Day. We'll keep celebrating Leap Day every four years, forever. 
Now, let's, now we're going to talk about the market performance today. We're going to run down some show topics, but right after we answer our first caller question now. Hey there, Justin and Luke calling about Snowflake, ticker symbol S-N-O-W. Uh, we just had their earnings and their CEO stepped down and the stock seems to have crashed a bit, uh, 22%, taking a 50 sum up at this level. I wanted to uh, get your thoughts. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the show. Thank you so much. I have a feeling that caller was like in New York City. Maybe it's pretty loud in the background, but it sounded like New York City to me. But looking at Snowflake, $62 billion market cap. And this is the perfect example of a company uh, priced to perfection. And it had good earnings. Revenue growth was 32%. The same as the previous quarter, year over year. So strong growth. All that is still a deceleration from a year and a half ago when it was growing revenues around 80%. And earnings last quarter were up 150% year over year. And that's a slight increase from the previous quarter, which is 127% year over year. So a decent quarter, right? Especially kind of in line with the previous quarter's growth. But it's a company who's trading at a very, very rich multiple. And this is a data play. It's all about, you know, big data, et cetera. But the price to sales ratio, even after this drop, 234 I said this many times. It is extremely rare to buy a company at over 20 plus years, over 20 plus price sales ratio and make money in the long term. It means that stock is priced to perfection and then some. Now, it could certainly grow into that perfection, but more often than not, growth slows and the market has to adjust to that lower growth. And today is an example of that adjustment. And after the recent run from about $140 per share all the way up to $240 per share, now we're at 188. That's a big wide body reversal week. We close there tomorrow, which we probably will. And the last time this type of candle happened was back in November of 2021 when the stock peaked out around $400 per share and went all the way down to 114 or so. So down nearly 75%. And I could easily see this happening again. Easily see this go from the recent high around 230 down to around $50 per share. And I think that's probably where it's headed, frankly, just because the multiple is just egregious, frankly. So I would certainly pass on Snowflake. Thanks for the call. We have a lot of ground to cover over the next 45 minutes or so. And our main focus point concerns a story. More than ever, stock investors are thinking like owners. And there are two ways for investors to affect corporate behavior. From the outside, typically, sell your shares. Vote with your feet. Then there's also from the inside. Basically taking board seats, influencing board seats, etc. So we're going to talk about how equity shareholders have gained their voices and will probably continue to do so over the near future. We have some other topics on the docket as well. We're going to discuss mergers of equals. You often see that. I've definitely seen a few recently where, you know, similar size companies, never exactly, you know, it's rare that two companies that are exactly the same size, but, you know, in, in the same range, right? One might be worth $32 billion, The other might be worth $25 billion. 
you know, those are companies in the same range and they, and they merge. And the hope is that there will be some sort of synergies there and the combined entity will be better. But we're going to look at some data and tell you whether that when you see a merger of equals, should you be bullish on the new entity or less so? Also, convertible bonds. A lot of hype around convertible bonds. And a lot of AI or tech companies are issuing them. So we're going to look at what that means. You should be buying into these issues. And then lastly, Chinese metal demand shifting over the years as the Chinese property bubble bursts. So we're going to look at that. We also have voice bank questions. One is in regards to young investor, a young investor, and the other SPSM, the SP portfolio, uh, S&P 600 small cap ETF. And of course, we welcome your investment questions now at 888-99-CHART. Now we're going to a short break and I have a good news for Talk listeners. We've got a special and fun surprise coming up. And that de- those details will be revealed tomorrow, March 1st. A little hint there, March 1st. And you'll be able to win some money. Not just a little bit of money, a decent amount, decent chunk of change. So be sure to tune in for the big reveal tomorrow. And please tell your friends as well. Now the phone lines are open. Call InvestDoc at 888-99-CHART. InvestTalk callers make each podcast unique. I was calling about Intel, if it's worth holding on to, or should I sell it? Their questions are curious. Hello, I have saved up around $80,000, and I was wondering what I should do to make it grow. Careful. Oh, I'm just wondering, is this a value trap? Because it looks like it's gone down quite a bit. Concerned. Uh, it's taken quite the tumble today. I've been trying to get out of this position for a while. I think I waited too long. And clever. It does seem to be situated in some areas of expanding population. And Justin Klein, Steve Peasley, and now Luke Guerrero are always ready with their unbiased answers. And this is, it looks like a classic example of chasing yield. Don't chase the yield. Next 12 months price to earnings is around 30. I just don't see it at this price. Don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. In today's market, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance because it can help you achieve financial freedom. Well, you've come to the right place, InvestTalk. And Justin Klein is here now taking your calls live. So step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Let's take a look at the market today. It was a decidedly positive day. Large caps up about a little over half a percent. Small caps up about three to two-thirds of one percent. So small caps certainly outperformed. We had the PCE number that came out today, and it was decidedly higher than expected. However, if you look at the year of year number, it continues to decelerate. Core PCE up 2.85% year over year. Prior, it was 2.94% year over year. So continued deceleration there. Personal incomes grew month over month by 1%. Uh, It's up from 0.3% the uh, previous month. 
The main price index was up to the PC price index 2.4% versus the previous month, 2.62% year over year. So you continue to see deceleration there. Initial claims for unemployment, that did tick up to about 215,000. Let me take a look at, I didn't look quite yet. I always follow the continuing claims, continuing claims for unemployment. That was at 1.905. Oh, that, that was a tick up, the highest level since November of last year. So that's starting to tick up. And, you know, I've said for a while the jobs market is continues to weaken, but it's not weak, right? It continues to weaken, but it's not weak. And you have to be honest about it. Right. Unemployment remains very low. Amount of people that stay unemployed is rising, but not at a fast clip. So you're not barreling head on into a recession or anything like that. But you continue to see uh, a market that is okay with the job, the data, especially the jobs data, the inflation data. The market seemed fine with as well. Pending home sales, those were down though about 5% month over month, down nearly 9% year over year. So the, so the housing market, uh, not liking this recent tick up in mortgage rates. Now let's pivot back to the Talk Voice Bank. You know the number, it's 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. I have a question for a small cap ETF. It's the Spider Portfolio S&P 600, ticker symbol SPSM. I wanted to know what you guys thought about it as a long-term hold. I'm on the younger side, so I wanted to see what you guys thought about this ETF. Thank you. All right. Looking at SPSM, which is the Spider Small Cap ETF, and it's just an index fund, right? And if you want exposure to small caps, I have no problem with this ETF overall. Obviously, the fees are relatively low, actually very low, three basis points, like a lot of the spiders are. Now, if you look at the sector allocation, you'll see the biggest allocation is to consumer cyclicals. So that's why, well, actually, it's industrials, 17.7%. Cyclicals are are just behind that at 16.13%. And then financial services, 15.6%. All three of those sectors are very cyclical. So economy does well, especially domestic economy, small caps tend to be more domestically focused as opposed to international. Uh, That's what you're going to get exposure to. And if the GDP continues to nominal GDP continues to rise, especially with government spending, staying high, then this is going to certainly benefit. Now, a lot of these companies also have rougher balance sheets. So understand that level of volatility going forward going to be much more volatile than the S&P as a whole, but the value is much better. In fact, this actually leans small cap value as opposed to if you buy an S&P 500 ETF, that's going to lean small or large cap growth. So I like this. I don't mind it at all. Low fee. Uh, If you just want broad exposure to small caps, this is a solid ETF for that. Now we're going to a quick break. Please remember that you can call anytime and leave your questions on the Invest Talk Voice Bank. If you're listening via our live stream or on AM 1220 radio in the Silicon Valley area, you can call right now at 888-99-CHART.
No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Now, my main focus point concerns this story. More than ever, stock investors are thinking like owners, and there are a couple ways that investors can affect corporate behavior. Now, the first is, put simply, marching with their their feet, with their dollars, and that is selling. The problem with that is that oftentimes when they do march with their feet by buying, they're putting the money in the wrong place. For example, 2020 and 2021, they're pouring a ton of money into SPACs. $230 billion actually was put into these companies. And these are organizations whose founders get a nice sweet deal and can use that money basically however they see fit for acquisition. And oftentimes they have bad incentives to deploy that money into companies that aren't worth nearly as much as they acquire them for. So that's one big issue is that the average investor, especially tends to actually enable bad corporate behavior because they buy into hype. They buy into the story as opposed to good businesses. Unfortunately. Now the second path. Now, before I start that part, that's the, from the outside, right? Marching with your, your, your dollars. The other path is from the inside. And historically, this has really been activist investors, either very wealthy individuals or hedge funds, et cetera, that buy up a ton of shares. Remember, this is ownership in the business. These are voting rights, et cetera, outside of certain share classes. And these activists tend to try to secure seats on the board where they can advance their own initiatives. And typically, these are short-term Goals, such as getting the company to cut costs, change strategy, or even put the company up for sale. But recently, ESG has entered the fray. And this is most infamously with Exxon. uh, And I forget the organization the name was. It was like X1 or something like that. uh, That bought enough shares and got a seat on the board and tried to push them to more climate-friendly strategies. Now, that's typical. But a new type of owner has emerged for many of these large-cap names. And that is index funds. And because index funds can't sell the shares, the only way that they can sell the shares is if the index company, the S&P or MSCI or whatever company is running the index, changes that index, which we know happens, but it's usually on the edges, around the margins. And so 
if they can't affect corporate behavior from the outside, they must do it from the inside or not at all. Now in aggregate, Vanguard, BlackRock, and State Street own about 20% of listed U.S. companies. So they have a lot of power here. And ESG companies or ESG funds are not like your typical socially conscious ones that you saw before, which was just don't buy the sin stocks, you know, gambling companies, uh, alcohol companies, cigarette companies, etc. Many of them, they say they're going to push for change from within these companies. And BlackRock started to do this. However, there's political pushback from that. And there are several states that actually took them out of their pension funds because they didn't like what they were doing. And BlackRock has pulled back. They've retreated. And the big question is, what is the way forward? Because you can't serve all your masters, right? You have millions of people. They have all different views. And you vote one way or the other. But what may happen in the future is, what if there was a mechanism for index investors to vote their proxy? Vote their right on the board. And actually, BlackRock's actually uh, trying to implement this. But it's a little clumsy, so it doesn't really work very well. But maybe AI could be a tool for implementation of that. Right, Speaking to an AI bot, them asking you questions, and you answering, and that would inform how you might vote on a particular proxy, for example. So I do think there is a future here. But the, that is a way that has, continues to be a, an impactful uh, avenue that shareholders can't take. It just takes some organization like those wealthy individuals and the, those hedge funds usually have. And with technology, I think that organization could emerge. Now, the next Invest Talk, we'll look into the story. Why China, Japan, and the Fed are shaking up the $26 trillion U.S. Treasury market. And buyers of U.S. Treasuries have been changing and the shift could have broad implications for the U.S. economy. That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your calls at 888 chart eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, 
You're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Every investor is working to build a secure financial future. How they get there and when they get there, that depends on many variables. The more you learn about how the market works, the better your chances. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Eric in Arizona looking at BWXT. Hey, Justin. Hey, I just wanted to say that I miss hearing Steve on the radio. Um, I hope all. he's doing okay. Yeah, yeah, he's, um, he's, he's hanging in there. Okay, that's good. I, I was hoping to just get your opinion on, on the BWXT company and, like, if it still has value right now at these prices and, like, the projection of earnings going forward. Yeah, so this is a company we've actually owned for clients for some time, and it had a, a really good earnings announcement uh, yesterday. And the stock moved. It was already near a 52-week high, around $90 per share, and now it's at $100 per share. And it was just at 75 back in the beginning of the year. So, you know, it's had a good start to the year, obviously. Uh, like I said, we've owned it for a while. For everyone else out there, what they do is they're a, they're specially manufacturer and service provider of nuclear components. And, you know, we came across, uh, the, came up with this name as we were researching the, the space and saying, okay, what can we, what other, parts of the nuclear space will benefit from the deployments and development of nuclear power worldwide. And this is a, a smaller cap, it's a mid cap, 9.23 billion uh, as of now, after obviously a pretty big run. But it's it has a nuclear power group that helps with research and developments, commercialization of these facilities. Um, so they're, they're well ingrained, have a lot of expertise there. And so we like it. We like it a lot. Now, after this run, it's maybe a bit uh, overbought, a bit expensive, uh, but it's a very well-run company in the right space, good balance sheet, good cash flows, et cetera. So would I, you know, are we adding it to new clients today? You know, Probably not after this run. We probably want a bit of a pullback, but uh, those that's a pullback we want to continue to buy because we like the company. So all depends on you know how patient do you do you really want to be could it just continue to grind higher from here maybe but uh it certainly needs a bit of consolidation but absolutely a company you want to own for the long term thanks for the call eric let's go to dan in walnut creek looking at apple hey justin how are you doing today doing pretty well are you own apple or looking to buy it yeah i own it i, I sold about 20 percent um pretty much at a um, height in december um, and I was looking would be a good buy point if I wanted to get back in um, by those 20% back. Yeah, that would probably be the low from October, right around 165. That's kind of what we're targeting, 165, 170 range. You know, it's been consolidating. And in when it's in a consolidation range like this, you typically see the bottom of that range. You know, it's not threatening to break out, even though the market's broken out. So it's certainly underperforming as of late. So we haven't been adding to adding it to a lot of our uh, new clients, but 
uh, like I said, around 165, 170. Uh, I think the value is uh, and support is around those levels. So that's what I would be going for. Great. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for the call. Let's uh, go to Sam in San Francisco looking at CrowdStrike, C-R-W-D. You own it or looking to buy it? I, I own it. Um, I was just trying to find out, should I hold it for a long term? What's your idea? Because I know um, security is very frustrated. Uh, sometimes if, if something hacking, all security shares go down. Well, yeah, this is a software provider of security solutions and it's been a steady grower growth is certainly slowed that's the law of large numbers in many ways a year ago it was growing around 60 percent last quarter revenue growth was only 35 percent but obviously a software company high gross margins and so profit growth is over a hundred percent but it is trading at a pretty hefty multiple so it's to make three dollars and 76 cents next year and it's a 324 dollar stock so that's a hefty multiple. That's about 100 times forward-looking earnings. You have a price-to-sales ratio. That one is actually, sorry, still had BWXT up. But yeah, CrowdStrike, let me just pull this up here. Price-to-sales ratio, 27, 27. So uh, certainly very expensive at these levels. You are seeing the price momentum wane of it's happening a lot with uh, the, these growth names. I think the growth side of the market is starting to peter out here. This will certainly be uh, one of those. And evaluation is certainly stretched. So, yeah, this is an area that I would absolutely at least lighten up. Maybe not sell all of it, lighten up, and keep a tight stop probably at that 50-day moving average. Thank you. Thanks for the call. A lot of live calls. Love it. Thanks for calling in. Now, let's touch a bit on mergers, mergers of equals. You might hear this from time to time. And typically, this is these, these mergers are classified as companies that are within 20% market cap or enterprise value of each other. And while as over the last couple of years, M&A activity has been pretty low, because of higher interest rates, uncertain economy, regulatory environment that is not supporting mergers nearly as much as they used to. And so many leaders of companies, C-suites, see these merged vehicles as lower risk. Problem is that the history of this, of these mergers, not very good. On average, the two years following the announcement, the new business, the acquirer, typically the bigger company, underperforms its peers by about 7% over the following two years. So it kind of says, sell those shares. Especially if the initial reaction is down. And that's also what the numbers say. If the mark, if, if the, Initial market reaction is down from the prior week. The stock typically underperforms over the next two years by 10%. Now, if it's up, it typically is in line with its peers over the next two years. So basically saying it's fine. Doesn't mean it's going to be great, but it's going to be a fine merger. Market doesn't have any problems with it. 
Now, the first reason why they tend to not go very well is high-quality companies, typically the acquirer, they're diluting their business because they're typically buying something a little bit smaller and probably somewhat inferior of a business. On an average, high-quality companies targeted in mergers of equals lag behind industry peers by 20% over the next two years on a relative basis. And then second, financial health matters. So typically, you might be taking on debt. You might be diluting your cash flow per share. And you might be buying a company that has lower profitability. So just because they're the same size, a lot of times what happens is, hey, the value in the market is the same size, but hey, this smaller company is bigger in revenue, has more revenue, but its business is weaker. And they say, hey, I'm going to take our business, which we have less revenue, but we have a better, higher profit margin, better business. And we're going to apply our business model to this higher revenue base that has a lower profit margin. And they typically will say, well, that in total, if we can just bring their margins up to where we are, keep their revenue the same, it's a win-win for everybody. But that's easier said than done. And that's also why companies that are a bit different than the core of their sector, they also underperform. Meaning, hey, this is a company that's kind of like ours, but they kind of do their own thing. They have their niche over here. And we're going to bring them into maybe the bigger fold of a company that has broader reach, a more traditional business model. And that typically has problems because they don't scale the same way. And there are often cultural issues. That smaller company, modestly smaller company is there because it has a particular culture and, and, and bringing that culture into a different company can oftentimes throw off that business. And so in general, the lesson here is mergers of equals, they're not that great. It's hard to maximize the culture. And the assets and peculiarities of one business don't typically meld well with the other. And it's not like one is so much larger that it can just dominate the conversation. Hey, this is a $100 billion company buying a $10 billion company. And you know the $10 billion company just has to deal with it. These are usually companies of similar sizes that have similar workforces as well. And so that can be a battle. So the synergies of mergers and equals just typically don't add up. And that's why they tend to be bad. Here comes another live call. Will from San Diego looking at Albermero, ALB. Yes, uh, good afternoon. I'm wondering if this now is a good uh, entry point for this stock. Well, I've said this for some time. 
Lithium, I'm not a huge fan of lithium as an EV play. Lithium is just a salt. It's very abundant. There's supply and demand. And most people just focus on demand. Oh, what's the demand? Oh, demand is going up. Uh Uh-uh. It's the prices of, especially commodities like this, prices go up when the demand outstrips supply. Right. If it's easy for new supply to come on board, what happens? Companies tend to bring supply on. Right. At a a moment's notice. Because they're trying to maintain their market share, not going to undercut. They're a price taker. Most commodity companies are. And that's why earnings for Albemarle in 2023 were $22.25. You know what it's supposed to be this year? $4.83. $4.83. Wow. Yeah, it's quite a drop. That's a gigantic drop. Yeah. So what you're saying is it's a pass on this one. Pass on lithium. Okay. I got you. Okay. Thanks a lot. No problem. Thanks for the call, Will. And that's a lesson here. For everybody, I've said this many times over the past year. A million people have called about lithium companies. And I continue to say, and, I'll, and for everyone out there, ALB, Albemarle, peaked out around $325 per share back in November of 2022. Now it's at 137 It's 52-week low. is 108 So it went down by over two-thirds. Why? Because the earnings have cut by three quarters from last year to what is expected this year. And everyone's going to look at that last year's earnings. Remember, it's not about what happened last year. It's about what's happening next year and the year after and the year after. And when you're thinking about demand for anything... You also have to ask, what about supply? Is there going to be enough supply? If there is, if supply is easy to bring on, it's like, think of a worker, okay? Worker making minimum wage at a fast food restaurant. Is it easy to find, that, that person quits. Is it easy to find somebody to qualify for that job? Yeah, there's, A lot of people, you don't need a lot of education to go work at a fast food restaurant. But what about a C-suite executive? They quit. Is it easy to just go find out? That's why they're headhunters. They're recruitment companies. They go and try to find replacements. And they have to pay them a good amount of money. So the price, and if you can't find anybody, well, you just keep raising the price until you find somebody good enough. And it's the same thing with any any asset, okay? So don't get caught up in the hype. And speaking of that, if you need help seeing if you're caught up in the hype, if you're positioned in lithium when you should be probably in position in copper, for example, if you're trying to play the EV trends, well, I encourage you to reach out to myself and schedule a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. 
through our website, investtalk.com. And I can go over your portfolio, understand your strategy and your goals and see if you're aligned. And this is at our company, KP Financial, where we practice the same, with the same philosophy as we do here, independent thinking and shared success. So we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So if you need help, Head over to investstock.com, click on the portfolio review button in the top right-hand part of the screen. Now, this is InvestStock. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here each and every weekday, and that's helping you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. Got a question for Steve or Justin? Just kind of wondering if this stock is a value trap. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. Uh, I think there's likely a pullback here. 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk is here to help. And when you download the free Invest Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open, 888-99-CHART. Hello, I had a question about FIGS, ticker symbol F-I-G-S, Frank, Igloo, George, Sam. I was curious about this company. I'm thinking about maybe having a small position. They seem to have a pretty good growing revenue. They seem to be profitable very small company. My wife is a registered nurse, so she uses their clothes brand and she she swears by it. So I'm just curious on what you think. Thanks. And I hope Steve uh, gets gets better. Thank you. All right. Looking at figs and well, my fiance, she's a doctor and she actually uses, she wears figs as well. So I've definitely looked at this company saying kind of the what you're doing say, hey, I have some in the household, use this product. I want to take a look. And I don't Mind that as a potential way to find interesting companies to invest in. But like everything, you can't just take that one piece of data and think it is a great investment. It has to be in relation to earnings, cash flow, et cetera. And you said they're profitable, and you're right. They are profitable. They've been profitable pretty much since they went IPO. And since they've been in existence, made penny a share in 2019, 13 cents a share last year, so it's make 7 cents this year, however, down 45%, and then 16 cents next year. It's a $5.23 stock. And the relative strength is only 10. The chart is terrible. Came out with earnings last quarter, and you said it was growing? Well, no, it's not. Revenue growth was 0% year over year. Earnings growth was 0% year over year. And it's trading at about 50 times forward-looking earnings? Am I going to pay 50 times a company that isn't growing? No, I'm not. Especially a company who's issuing more shares pretty much each and every year. Return on equity is only 5%. 5%. That's not great. Single-digit return on equities are not that attractive positive here is they don't have any long-term debt, so they have a good balance sheet. But what am I going to pay? I wouldn't pay probably more than 2 to $3 per share for this company. And frankly, probably closer to 2 
Current free, cla- free cash flow, $74 million on a market cap of, let's call it enterprise value of $787 million. So a free cash flow yield of 1%, that's typically, I'm sorry, that is 10%. That's pretty decent. Now I look at it, I was looking at this wrong. So about 10%. So that's pretty decent, but it's still too expensive. And the technicals are poor. I'm not going to pay up for something that has very meager growth. And frankly, what is the special sauce here? What is the special sauce? They make scrubs that are a little more comfortable, a little tighter fitting than they used to make them. Is that a special sauce? Not really. Not really. Anybody can do that. They were just the first mover to do it. So to me, the technicals don't line up. The fundamentals don't really line up. Not a bad business, but I'm not paying more than 2 to $3 per share for this, and it's at 5 plus. Thanks for the call. Now, lastly, let's touch on Chinese metal demand. And as the tenor of the Chinese economy has shifted away from real estate due to the ongoing crash there, you would think that the demand for raw materials has crashed. And the answer simply is it actually hasn't. It's mainly just shifted. And the biggest growth, demand growth out of China for any metal is actually copper, copper ore and concentrate. Why? Because of the EV and green power boom. Said this for a while. If you want to play the green revolution with some sort of investment in a raw material, it's copper. Because copper is used in pretty much everything that moves electricity. And guess what? It takes a while to bring on copper to supply. Unlike lithium, where it takes a matter of months. Copper, it takes years to build and permit a new copper mine. Typically five to 10 years. And so the demand goes up. It's not easy for companies to just open the spigot. And even iron ore, iron ore is doing pretty well because a lot of these uh, devices still need iron and steel. Well, that about does it. I'm Justin Klein. This is another Invest Talk program. We thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes. And tomorrow, the big reveal will be here. So we have something special in store. So make sure to tune in. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.
Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening. And your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. Thank you.